Jesus will end this earth at some point, maybe in your lifetime? One always hopes. Right. This is a sign, and that is a but sign. I mean, if a nuclear bomb went off, and it seemed like that was exactly what it had said, balls of fire or something, you wouldn't look on that as necessarily a bad thing. I know I'll be with God. This is why rational people, anti-religionists, must end their timidity and come out of the closet and assert themselves. And those who consider themselves only moderately religious really need to look in the mirror and realize that the solace and comfort that religion brings you actually comes at a terrible price. It says in the last days there'll be wars, rumors of wars. The Bible prophecies from the book of Revelation, they're going to be fulfilled. Can this be accomplished without violence? No. Islam ruling the world, global jihad. Who will win out? We'll win. That's for God to decide on Judgment Day. If you belong to a political party or a social club that was tied to as much bigotry, misogyny, homophobia, violence, and sheer ignorance as religion is, you'd resign in protest. To do otherwise is to be an enabler, a mafia wife, for the true devils of extremism that draw their legitimacy from the billions of their fellow travelers. If the world does come to an end here or wherever, or if it limps into the future, decimated by the effects of a religion-inspired nuclear terrorism, let's remember what the real problem was. That we learned how to precipitate mass death before we got past the neurological disorder of wishing for it. That's it. Grow up or die. That's a clip from the movie Religulous with Bill Maher. Welcome to Table Scraps, production of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline, and uh, on the line to talk about this movie Religulous is Vicar Mark Pearson. He's Vicar of University of Lutheran Chapel in Los Angeles, California, and a ministry to UCLA. Vicar Pearson, thank you for joining us. Uh, glad to be with you again, Vicar Gagline. Yes. Uh, well, here we have, what, three weeks ago we talked about this movie sweeping the Internet, Zeitgeist, and then uh, you have a movie by Bill Maher, a documentary-type film uh, trying to document the ridiculousness of religion. Now, what, in your estimation, what's the difference between these two? I mean, both of them are attacks on religion, but what's the difference between these two, Zeitgeist and Religulous? Well, from a scholarly standpoint, they're about on the same level. Um, Zeitgeist, I think, tries more to show itself to be the well-researched and, you know, this is the consensus of historians and kind of like letting Christians know that their Jesus is mythical, whereas Bill Maher is really just presenting a mockumentary. I mean, he's really just trying to poke fun. I mean, it is a comedy, and he's doing it at at the expense of people who actually believe in their religions. And, and that, to me, ha- has been the tactic of Bill Maher here, hasn't it? I mean, uh, all he has to do is walk up to you and, and say, uh, do, do you believe in a virgin birth, you know, that Jesus was born of a virgin Mary? And, you know, you say yes, and so he just kind of <clears throat> smuckers and, and laughs. You know, how can you believe in something so ridiculous? Is that kind of the basic strategy that Bill Maher's taking here? Oh, that's exactly a strategy. In fact, on his show, H- his show on HBO, he interviews Richard Dawkins for uh, a segment. And he, he really just asks questions, but then there's one point where he says, well, these people believe in a talking snake. They're idiots, or that's just ridiculous. And so he, Bill Maher is he's really good at making assertions. He's really bad at making arguments. Good point. Well, that, that kind of brings me to this first clip we have from the movie. 
uh, religious. And and here Bill Maher is – well, maybe first before we play this clip, we should talk about you know the kinds of people he interviews in, in, this, uh, in this documentary. I think the first stop, which is where this clip comes from, uh, is where he, he's in North Carolina at a truck stop, and, and here he meets these Christians uh, who meet in, a, in a, a trailer. to They call it Trucker Chapel. And so, so is there something to be said about the, the types of people he interviews throughout the documentary? Yeah, I think there's only one actual scholar he interviews, and that, I don't know if that's clip one or clip two, but it's the geneticist Francis Collins. But pretty much everybody else, uh, I mean, yeah, I, not, not to demean the uh, truckers at the chapel, but, I mean, if you're really interested, as we'll see, he says he is, if you're really interested in finding out what's true or why could people believe what they do, I mean, you want, to, you want the best of the best. You want the cream of the crop as far as uh, the, the scholarship that's going to be involved. You don't go to a trucker chapel. Or like later, we'll see, he, he goes to Bible Land, and he interviews the character <laughs> who plays Jesus at Bible Land asking hard philosophical questions. Well, if you're going to be fair, you want to go to some philosophers, or you want to go to some historians, or something like that. But he pretty much takes what will be funniest for his the choice of uh, people he's interviewing. Right. Well, here's a clip from Bill Maher, and I and I want to say that this this clip is taken from a different different locate a couple different locations. I think one he's talking with his his mother about his upbringing, then also to the truckers at Trucker Chapel. Here it is. And we never and he never went back. None of us ever did. So now that we don't believe. Where did... Nobody said we don't believe. We don't believe in Catholicism. <laughs> right, but what do we believe in now? Come on, you're my mother. Instruct me. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. That's my answer. Come on, believe in Jesus. What do you have to lose? <laughs> it's like the lotto. You can't get saved if you don't play. Yeah, you could be right. I don't think it's very likely. But yes, you could be right, because my big thing is, I don't know. That's what I preach. I preach the gospel of, I don't know. I didn't mean that's what I'm here promoting, doubt. That's my product. The other guys are selling certainty, not me. <laughs> I'm on the corner with doubt. I've heard the distinction made sometimes, Mark, that the difference between an atheist and agnostic is, I mean, traditionally that those two terms are defined as an atheist is someone who says there is no God, an agnostic is someone who doesn't know. But I think more simple, simplicity, an agnostic would be someone who doesn't want to argue about things all the time. Uh, but Bill Maher is taking the position that, you know, I don't know, I'm just raising doubts. What, what kind of position is that to take? Um, well, it's interesting. He starts the movie this way. That's at the very beginning of the movie. And it sounds like, it makes himself sound very open-minded, um, like he's just intellectually curious. But in fact, I mean, it, this becomes more apparent just as every minute that goes by in the movie, he has made up his mind. And we'll see that in some of the later clips. But he has called himself in, I think, I think you pronounce it, in ap-atheist, kind of a, a combination of apathetic and atheist, or maybe an ap-agnostic, I don't know how he does it, but he basically <laughs> says... Um, I don't really care, which is odd because he says he doesn't care, and then like in this movie, he really wants to find out. Well, I think he just wants to poke fun at people. I think that's his whole thing. So, I mean, an atheist would be someone who is convinced that there is no God. An agnostic is someone who, at least in theory, is on the fence. He likes to call himself an agnostic, but I think it's pretty obvious that he's an atheist. We, we talked earlier about this uh, position of just poking fun, yeah, this 
a tactic, if you will, just poking fun. But it seems to me that that you could do that with anything. So, you know, so he's gonna you know, say, "Oh, you believe that that Jonah was swallowed by a well? Oh, ah, that's so ridiculous." Um, but I mean, couldn't I come to him and say, "Oh, you believe that that the the world was created uh, by a little bit of matter that exploded without any you know without the laws of thermodynamics?" Oh, that's so ridiculous. I mean, you can make anything sound ridiculous. Um, but as you said, that's not really an argument. Right, and, and I mean, it is important to note that I think the, the either the director or the producer of this movie is the same fellow who did Borat. So, <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's easy to poke fun at anything, and that's pretty much all he does. I mean, he is a comedian. Um, I personally don't think he's that funny, but um, <laughs> the, the, someone pointed out to me, Bill Maher is kind of like the illegitimate offspring of Richard Dawkins and George Carlin, which I thought was... <laughs> but again... <laughs> Again, that's poking fun. I mean, that's not an argument, really. And after, at the beginning of the movie, after he has this, like, oh, I just got to know, I'm so intellectually curious, then he has this montage of faith, you know, he has Benny Hinn, the faith leader, knocking people over with his coat. He shows uh, Ted Haggard, the guy who was caught in a sex scandal, you know, a homosexual sex scandal with using heroin. He shows Tom Cruise, you know, and it was actually interesting. One of the people I watched this movie with, um, Bill Maher spends about 57 minutes making fun of Christianity, and then he moves on. He goes on to other religions. He goes on to Scientology and Judaism and Islam and uh, Rastafarianism, and he keeps just making fun of them. But the person I was with was actually a Christian, and so we were talking about what was going on in the first hour or so where he's just making fun of Christianity, but then my friend actually got caught up in it. And, you know, he, when he's making fun of Scientology, he's like, aliens, ghosts, volcanoes, Tom Cruise is a moron. And my friend just starts laughing, and I said, now keep in mind, this has nothing to do with whether or not Scientology is true. He's doing the same thing, just with a different religion this time, which was interesting. Right, yeah, good point. Um, now, he does, I, I mean, don't, he doesn't really bring up a lot of uh, arguments throughout the whole thing, but one of the times he does, he talks about uh, the historical evidence of Christianity, and this is what he has to say about the historical evidence of Christianity. So, um, Dr. Collins, you are a brilliant, brilliant scientist, the head of the Human Genome Project. Now, here's what's so puzzling, is that you are the one scientist, the one famous scientist anyway, who's also religious. Explain that to me. I would argue that if you look at the evidence, the historical evidence of Christ's existence is overwhelming. What evidence? I mean, I've never even heard anyone propose that there's evidence. There's been proof that there is a Jesus. That's that's been proven. That hasn't been proven. How how you figure it out? When I read the New Testament, it reads to me as the record of eyewitnesses who put down what they saw. You know they weren't eyewitnesses. They were close to that. They were within a couple of decades of eyewitnesses. Okay. Would that stand up in a laboratory as, as absolute foolproof evidence that something happened? You are setting up a standard for proof that I think it would really be an almost impossible standard to meet. No gospel tells us what he was doing when he was a young man. You know, we see Jesus as an infant, and then we kind of pick up the story when he's 30. I think Jesus was probably an awkward teenager. Big Jufro, bad at sports. Here I am. The records we have are all gospels. Gospels are not history. Gospel writers never met Jesus, either did St. Paul. No one who wrote about Jesus ever met him. How can you go back into the prophets and the prophets specifically specifies that certain things... Well, first of all, the New Testament came after the Old Testament. We agree to that? I agree to that, but that that doesn't mean anything. All it means is the people who wrote the New Testament read the Old Testament 
and then made the prophecies fit. They can't born. make it fit if something didn't happen. Of course they can. They placed then, Jesus. Then you're saying the Bible is fictitious. I am. Can't be. I am. We do all know that those texts don't match. Yeah, sure. So Would you expect them to? I'm surprised that things that are very important to the story, like the virgin birth, isn't in all four of them. Wouldn't you really expect that kind of discordance when you're thinking about the way in which these documents came into being? But you'd think if you were one of Christ's biographers, that would be sort of an important thing not to leave out. Oh, God, he was also born of a virgin. They'd all notice the virgin birth. You know, they, I think that is something that, if you're any sort of a reporter, you put into the story. What editor looks at the facts and goes, uh, yeah, but take out the thing about the virgin birth. That's not interesting. <laughs> now, Mark, there is a lot to discuss in this one. Uh, let's just take, in the, take them one at a time. Uh, did I hear correctly that Bill Maher seemed to uh, uh, say there is no pro- proof that the man Jesus even existed? Do, do oh. you know of anyone else that takes this position? Um, I don't, um, and I don't know of any uh, reputable scholars that would actually claim that. In fact, it's interesting. Here at UCLA, there's a professor, um, of, he's a professor of religious studies, and there was a student whom I became acquainted with, who wanted to do a dissertation on Jesus never existing. And this um, professor here at UCLA, secular professor, secular university, said, no, I can't allow that, because there's no way in the world you're ever going to be able to show that Jesus didn't exist. (laughs) Uh, Explain for us the evidence of Jesus' historical existence outside of uh, the canonical books of the Bible. Sure. Um, Well, First, I, I think people should keep in mind that um, the New Testament, people want to just throw it away, you know, say, oh, that doesn't count. Like I even talked to a guy the other day who said, well, that's in your Bible, so take that with a grain of salt. Well, <laughs> I'm not claiming it's the Word of God to start. Um, these are 27 separate documents, all circulating individually at first. Uh, they're all from the first century. I mean, any historian would say, well, that's really good. But if you want stuff outside of the New Testament, um, we do have... Uh, secular historians. We have the Roman historian Tacitus, the Roman historian Suetonius, uh, the Jewish historian Josephus, we have the Jewish Talmud, um, we have Pliny the Younger, I believe it is, uh, writing a letter to the Roman emperor, and they all make mention of Christ himself, or at least of Christians and their practices in worshiping Christ. So is that, I mean, if you really want to just throw the New Testament into the fire, sure, go ahead. And historians would still say, based on stuff outside the New Testament, well, there must have been this figure named Jesus who really existed. So there, there's, it's a tough case to make that, that the Jesus as a man didn't exist. But now let's then talk about uh, the historical evidence in the Bible, namely the Gospels. Uh, Bill Maher there is quoted in saying that the Gospel writers never met Jesus. Um, and, and he puts the dates, I, I think, what, the third century of, of the Gospels? Um, what what evidence do we have of when the the gospels were actually written, and and did the writers actually ever meet Jesus? Oh, that's a good question, and I uh, let me commend you for picking this clip from the movie. This is the most loaded clip of the whole thing. Um, for one, I'd like to point out that Bill Maher is talking to a geneticist about a question of history. And then, to Francis Collins' credit, he goes to the historical evidence. I think that's what this is really a question of, not a question of so much can we can we look at um, things scientifically and say oh there must be an intelligence capital i intelligence behind the cosmos he goes straight for the history and if you're bill maher then you would want to go to historians but he never does that 
Bill Maher, you, this is, I, I like this clip so much because this is exactly how it is when I'm talking with people on the campus of UCLA. Um, they assert immediately, no, these are not reliable. No, they never met Jesus. None of these people know, knew him and so forth. And I, I ask them further, how do you know that? And they have nothing to back it up with. And Bill Maher would have nothing to back it up with either. But he, he realized he even cuts them off. No, they didn't. No, they never knew Jesus. And he's like, okay, so you've done the historical research to find this out? And, of course, he hasn't. Um, when the Gospels are written is interesting. We have um, a fragment of John's Gospel dated by almost everyone um, at 125 at the latest, uh, A.D. Now, that might sound really late, but nonetheless, that in and of itself gets rid of this idea that the Gospels were written by drunken monks in the 4th century. Um, you also have, in one of Paul's letters, uh, I believe it's the second letter to Timothy, he makes a quote from the Gospel of Luke. Now, some of this is going to depend on can you show that Paul is the author, but if Paul is the author and Paul died about 65, which most people would say, that would mean that this Gospel of Luke he's quoting from has to exist beforehand. So that would place Luke within 35 years of the time of, after Christ. So something as simple as that shows you that these uh, Gospels were not invented hundreds of years later. And it's important, I think, to note that um, if they are written just within a generation after Jesus, that means that there were eyewitnesses who saw Jesus himself who would know if these reports are accurate or not. So you don't get away with making things up when the people who saw Jesus are still alive. Going back to what you said about the audio clips, you're right, this is the most loaded audio clip. Um, although I have to admit there wasn't a lot to choose from in this whole uh, whole movie as far as intellectual discussion. Um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the movie is spent talking to people who look for proof of God and miracles and in their own lives and things like that. And, you know, how do you... I mean... It, it's true when you walk up to someone and says, "I know that God exists because uh, you know it started raining when I asked God to start raining." Uh, that that doesn't prove it to uh, a skeptic that God exists. No, and that is one of the guys. I mean, the guy actually says that in the movie. Well, I asked for it to rain, and it rained. And Bill Maher says, um, "Have you ever heard of coincidence?" And, and <laughs> I mean, actually, Bill Maher's right in that case. But again, you can litter a movie with. Uh, morons who believe in Jesus, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that Christianity in, in and of itself is false at all. It simply means you're really good at poking fun at Christianity to make a movie. No, um, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, I, I think um, I don't. I don't know where you wanted to go, Vicar Gayline. But um, and that long clip, uh, he talks a lot about uh, the virgin birth and how well it's only in two of the Gospels, and certainly it should be in all four. And Francis Collins says, well, when you consider how these documents came into existence, you wouldn't expect it. Bill Maher is using a standard that no historian is going to use when evaluating any historical claim, including the ones about Jesus. Bill Maher is acting as if various accounts of the same event must all read the same way. But no histories do that. I mean, take, any bio take a modern biography. You know, take four modern biographies. I don't, pick, a, pick a figure. I don't know, Barack Obama or somebody. Um, do they all include all details? No. But by Bill Maher's standard, then they're not worth anything and they should be thrown away. Um, if, in fact, and this is what it looks like, if, in fact, Mark was described for Peter, who was an itinerant preacher, he went around preaching about Jesus, and then Mark collected those pre uh, sermons together, roughly, and edited them and made them into his gospel, um, maybe Peter didn't feel the need to preach about the birth of Jesus. 
so why would it be in Mark's Gospel? Or like look at John's Gospel. John tells you flat out, uh, I could have written tons of stuff. We all could have. The whole world wouldn't have room for all the books we wrote about Jesus if we put down everything. We wrote what we did so that you would believe he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So while John doesn't include the virgin birth, uh, John includes that Jesus existed from all eternity. And, and with that, uh, what, what do you make of his argument that uh, you know, there's, there's nothing of, of, of Jesus from the time he's an infant to the time you know, he's an adult um, how, that he uses that argument to discount the historical reliability of the Gospels. I I do not follow his logic there. I guess it's not logical. But um, <laughs> okay, so from the time Jesus is in the temple in Luke's Gospel to the time he shows up to be baptized by John, we don't have a record, and therefore these four biographies shouldn't be trusted. Like I'm not okay. So there's parts missing, and I don't see what where he's going with that. Well, sir, and, and if, you know. Where, where there is a complete agreement with the Gospels is in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, well, yet, absolutely. He doesn't really yeah. want to talk about that too much. <laughs> yeah, if, okay, then by Mar standard, let's, let's act like we're Thomas Jefferson and cut out parts of the Bible that we, we don't want. And so we'll only keep what's in all four Gospels. Okay, you still have things like the baptism of Jesus by John, um, feeding of the 5,000, and of course, most importantly, the death and resurrection. Those are in all four Gospels. That in and of itself would be enough then. Right. Um, well, then let's let's look at another clip. Uh, this is what, what you referenced earlier when, when Bill Maher goes to the Holy Land experience in Orlando, Florida, and is talking to Jesus, uh, or at least the character that plays Jesus. And this is what Jesus has to say. All right, well, then let me ask you some questions about your business. Yes. Well, really, the Jesus business. God is super powerful. He could do anything. Sure. Why doesn't he just obliterate the devil and therefore, therefore get rid of evil in the world? He will. He will? Yeah, What's he waiting for? End times. But when why play it out like that? Why make it a game? The second coming. Well, it's not necessarily a game. A day is like a thousand, thousand years in God's eyes. It says in the Bible, if you want to look at it, just what, two days ago Christ died. But I know that he is so far and beyond any of our ways that he can work the worst situation for his good. What was the Holocaust? Why was that good? You know, God has a plan for that. Maybe it's really? to, to cause... I wonder if you would have thought that if you were one of the people being pushed into an oven. Well, you know what? It's like trying to explain to Ant how a TV works. That's God's ways are so much higher than ours. There's no way you can understand Oh, I guess I, there's nobody can understand that. Uh, when you're when you're on the uh, campus of UCLA and, and talking to students, uh, Mark, do you ever uh, come under this question: If there's a God, why is there evil in the world? Um, I do. In fact, the problem of evil comes up 99% of the time, um, but it always comes up in a personal way. If you strip back the, you know, if you peel back the layers of the onion, you'll get to something happened in this individual's life that they're upset about, and so how can they believe in an all-living God? So this is incredibly relevant. Okay, so you're, um, you're talking to, to some student at UCLA, and he says, uh, there can't possibly be a God because uh, my mom died when I was eight of cancer, and how could a God let, uh, let that happen? Uh, how, how do you respond to that? <laughs> well, um, for one, kind of like, uh, unfortunately, uh, like the Jesus character, I, I'd have to say we don't know. Um, which, from a, a standpoint of, um, is it true, you can simply say, I don't know why this individual act was allowed to happen, or this certain instance was allowed to happen by God. That doesn't necessarily mean that that God doesn't exist. Uh, 
Like, it's interesting to me how many people are angry at a God who doesn't exist. Um, we as Christians don't always get answers to all of these things. We have the only solution, though. We have the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that your mother um, is going to be cured of cancer, but it does mean that her death is not the end. Um, there's an interesting quote from um, Capon, who is an author who writes a lot about the parables and so forth, and he says, um, on the face of it, it might look absurd as far as it's very difficult to believe. But what we are asked to believe is essentially that there's a girl drowning in the ocean, Jesus dives in to save her, and we all expect Jesus to bring her out onto dry land, but he doesn't. Instead, he drowns with her. Hmm. And then later, Jesus himself shows up on the shore and says, don't worry, it's okay. Now, whether or not I happen to like that solution is entirely different from figuring out whether or not that solution is true. So, um, if the resurrection happened, then that changes everything. And when I talk to people at the campus of UCLA, I, I always focus all my effort to direct toward to the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, what would that mean? And I flip it around. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what would that mean? And they usually get it. I mean, it might take them a little bit, but they usually realize, well, if he did, I guess it would mean it's true. Or if he didn't, then it's not true. Right. It all hinges on the resurrection. It doesn't necessarily hinge on how emotional I am over circumstances in my life. Very good. Uh, I, I think I have one more clip. Uh, this is, again, this is where we have a little overlap from the Zeitgeist uh, movie, which we talked about, I think, three weeks ago or so, uh, which you can listen to on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, but here, Bill Maher brings this up uh, with some of the people he encounters. Yeah, what about these uh, ancient Egyptian religions, Mediterranean religions, in which uh, Bill Maher says that is just copies of Christianity that pre-existed the claims of Christianity. And this is what he says. Moving on. Um, does it ever bother you that the story of a man mm -hmm. who was born of a virgin, was resurrected, your bio, mm -hmm. was something that was going around the Mediterranean for at least a thousand years? We've got Krishna, who was in India a thousand years before Christ. Krishna was a carpenter. Born of a virgin, baptized in a river. Are you saying that was written in history? That was written down in well, history? Is what you're saying? Absolutely. There's yeah. the, the Persian god Mithra, 600 years before Christ, born December 25th, performed miracles, resurrected on the third day, known as the Lamb, the Way, the Truth, the Light, the yeah. Savior, Messiah. Okay. How do, how do we account for some of these, Mark, that uh, apparently, according to Bill Maher, he's, he's quoting these off right in front of Jesus' character there. It says, look, we have Krishna and, and the like that's, that uh, have claims very similar to Christianity. It looks like the uh, Christian writers just stole that from these previous religions. Uh, well, it's hard to account for things that are made up. <laughs> talking with someone like Bill Maher, I mean, it's like, this has just happened again and again in the movie, too. It's like trying to argue with someone who is utterly convinced that the sun does not rise in the east and settle in the west. Um, it doesn't really matter what you say to them. They're just not going to listen to you. Bill Maher, again, is asserting with confidence that these other religions or myths existed before Jesus, and they're the same story. I would like to ask Bill Maher, have you actually read the primary sources on this? Chances are he has not. And actually, if I'm lucky, I'll get to, because he hangs out at a bar here in L.A., and I actually went to it once looking for him, and he wasn't there. But, uh, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll keep up the hunt. Yeah, if um, you find him, we want to interview you again on this program. Well, actually, we showed the movie Religulous at the, the church here and, and kind of dissected it. And 
I wanted to find him to invite him to come to defend himself, but <laughs> I, I didn't get to see him. Anyway, um, yeah, the the claim that, and this is this is the zeitgeist claim that there were all these stories existing before the New Testament that say basically the same thing. There's a God who um, comes to Earth and lives a certain life and gets some followers and dies and rises. And, but when you actually read the accounts of the myths that are being referred to about Mithras and whomever, um, they don't say that. <laughs> they're simply not there. Um, Mithras, there is no account of Mithras dying, so there also wouldn't be an account of him rising. December 25th is irrelevant because that's not in the Bible at all. Krishna, no Hindu, no Hindu claimed that they actually saw Krishna. I mean, these things in, in Hinduism are myth, and usually the Hindus are happy to say, yeah, they're just stories. They're mythical epics. So what? And then even if you go to the details, uh, Krishna was not considered a carpenter either. So, I mean, Mar is just making these claims, or I don't know, maybe he watched Zeitgeist, and that's where he got it from, but I would expect someone to do a little care- more careful research. He got it off YouTube. <laughs> he, 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 when he's at this uh, Holy Land uh, experience, he's, he bumps into one of the... Uh, visitors at the park, and, and he asked, "You know, do you, do you think if if uh, someone confused the stories from the Bible with uh, fables and myths, myths, you'd be able to, to identify the difference?" So, you know, if if Jack and the Beanstalk was in the Bible, and then you know that they said that um, Jonah being swallowed by a whale is a fairy tale, you, as you grew up, would would be able to identify the difference. Um, boy, what do you what do you say to that? I mean, it was, it, again, it's kind of this approach where. Uh, all you have to do is make something look ridiculous, and then therefore it discounts its reliability. Uh, is this maybe an example where uh, y- you always point the conversation to to the resurrection? And did, well, did the resurrection happen? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I do that all the time, um, just because I think that's I think that's what the apostles did. It, it goes back to the resurrection. Um, uh, yeah, on the face of it, you know, of course, um, a talking snake, Jack and the Beanstalk. What's the difference, right? Um, well. <laughs> Did anyone ever say that the Jack and the Beanstalk account actually happened? No. Um, so to look back at um, the New Testament or the Old Testament and say, well, these are obviously myths and fairy tales like some of these other ones, well, is that what the people thought? Or were there people who said, I saw Jesus myself, I touched him? You know, Peter says in, in his second letter, we did not follow cleverly devised myths. And he actually uses the word for myth in the, you know, the Greco-Roman world. They would know what that means. We did not follow those, but we were eyewitnesses of Christ. Very, very big difference. Uh, throughout the movie, as you said earlier, he spends about two-thirds of the movie talking about Christianity. Then he makes this shift and talking with, about, I guess, uh, Islam and, and the dangers therein. That, that you know, there's, there's no shortage of examples of how Islam has been dangerous, uh, and seems to, to cl- try to connect these two, that, that uh, Christians who uh, believe that, uh, you know, things, silly things like the death and resurrection of Jesus um, is, on, is on par with, with these uh, Muslims who would kill themselves in suicide bombings. Um, yeah, that's kind of guilty by association. If, if you can get someone in some religion to do something bad, therefore all religions themselves are bad. Um, which just doesn't follow. This is very similar to um, Sam Harris. At the beginning of one of Sam Harris's book, books, he gives an account of someone who goes onto a bus and blows it up. And um, he doesn't mention that this person is uh, an Islamist or you know a jihadist or whatever. But he just kind of says, "See what happens when you believe in religion." Um, yes, 
certain Christians have misbehaved over the years. I mean, yeah, the Crusades weren't exactly the best thing that ever happened, but um, that's entirely different from the New Testament being true or false. Yeah. And what usually these people, and someone like Richard Dawkins too, what they usually fail to mention is that more evil has been committed in the name of atheism than in the name of religion. I mean, just look at the 20th century. You have Mao, who killed, we don't even know, over 60 million people, perhaps? Pol Pot? Stalin? I mean, and then, and then um, I'm laughing because Richard Dawkins will then say, yeah, but Hitler was a devout Catholic. Really? Um, <laughs> I don't think Hitler was an atheist, but I don't think he was a devout Catholic. Um, but this, you know, this idea that if you can find someone who did something immoral... Therefore, the religion that that person is associated with is false or wrong or stupid or something. That just doesn't follow. But I would like to ask Bill Maher, and maybe I will when I meet him. Okay, and he mentioned the Holocaust earlier, you know, being put into an oven or something. Okay, if that is wrong, where do you get the standard of right and wrong from? Don't you need a transcendent source for that? Because otherwise, there is no right and wrong. There might be personal preferences. I might not personally enjoy being put into an oven. But how can you say that that's wrong or immoral or evil? What are those things if there's no God in which they're rooted? Let's let's take a second to talk about that that moralism argument because uh, in the movie he he I didn't get a clip for this but he he talks with this I don't know this pastor of some uh, ministry uh, but the, their focus this particular ministry's focus is uh, helping uh, men who are in homosexual relationships and, and to try to get get them out and throughout the course of this interview. Uh, Bill Maher is trying to make make the argument, as we would expect him to, that homosexuality is something uh, that that you are. It's almost an, an ontological thing. That I, I was born this way, so therefore I am a homosexual. You can't change it. But what's fascinating is what what Bill Maher makes is he makes um, an appeal to nature. That that you know, homosexuality is in nature. So therefore, you know, how could you? Uh, Ask a homosexual to not be a homosexual, and it, it 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 seems rather ironic that he would make an appeal to nature for this homosexual argument because it isn't all that natural. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, how many how many kids do you know whose parents are homosexuals? Well, you know the the numbers get inflated. Usually, the people who are the pro the pro gay movement or whatever they'll say ten percent of people are gay, and I'm thinking really because <laughs> one out of every ten people I know isn't gay. Um, I think the more conservative numbers are, are more accurate, where it's like 2 or 3% of the people identify themselves as homosexual. Um, yeah, but the appeal to nature, I just think, doesn't work because, um, and he does this because he holds to macroevolution. Well, from that viewpoint, we want the most fit to survive, right? Well, the last <laughs> time I checked, homosexuals aren't producing offspring, so we should just really eliminate them because they're just a drain on the rest of us. If we want the human species to survive... Let's get rid of the homosexuals. That's right. Well, uh, Mark, you kind of stole my last question I had for you, but I'm going to ask you, maybe you can think of a different one. Uh, say you do bump into Bill Maher, finally. Uh, you you, you kind of mentioned what question you wanted to ask him, but what else would you ask him? What, maybe what one question would you uh, be interested in hearing the answer that, that Bill Maher would, would have for you? Well, I, I would, <laughs> I've uh, stolen my own thunder because I, I would simply ask him, if Jesus rose from the dead, what would that mean? Now, he'll probably do what most people do. Their first thing is an immediate reaction. Well, he didn't rise from the dead, or those are all myths. Or like, okay, I understand that you believe that, but if he did, what would that mean? And then I would ask him, what would it take for you to believe that he actually rose from the dead? And again, if he says nothing, 
then he's an ideologue. His mind is made up, and it has nothing to do with the evidence, even though he would act like all the evidence is on his side that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But if nothing would convince him that Jesus actually rose from the dead, then it has nothing to do with what the evidence points to. He's made up his mind, and he's sticking to it regardless. We've been talking with Vicar Mark Pearson of University Lutheran Chapel, Los Angeles, California, and a ministry to UCLA. Mark, thank you for joining with us for Table Scraps. Thank you, Evan. It was a pleasure. Thank you all for tuning in to Table Scraps. This is a production of Table Talk Radio. Tuning in to Table Scraps Live. We're, we're broadcasting live on January the 3rd with Dr. Charles Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation talking about uh, creationism and evolution. We'll take your questions live. That's January 3rd from 8 to 9 Central Time. And you can call in or send in your email questions to Dr. Jackson. Thanks for listening to Table Scraps. We'll tune again next time. Am I-